0: Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 6. Woo! John chapter 6. We'll pick it up where we left off. I was thinking about the 5K. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I don't run unless someone's chasing me. So I'm going to walk, but my wife's going to run. So you can do either or you can do both. I'd like to win my category of age category for walking. Because they have time, you know, they time you too, and you can win. I don't know if you win anything, you get like a snack or something. (laughs) Oh boy, impossible. That's what I say about running. But you know what? So much of what we. So much of what we face and so much of what even God asks us to do or calls us to do is impossible. And I, I, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot these last few weeks. It's just, you know, w- without the Lord's strength, you know, uh, in that, that scripture that says that, you know, with man, this is impossible. There's no strength. There's no power. Yet... Or, But with God, all things are possible. So he gives the strength to do what we need to do. And, and uh, we, we saw that Peter was able to do the impossible. But, but when he took his eyes off Jesus, again, that, that uh, so important uh, message for us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on him. And we're not going to sink. There's another verse in... Uh, the Gospels that tell us that, you know, when when uh, Mary, uh, the, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and, and he told her, speaking about Elizabeth, who was very old, really beyond childbearing uh, years, and he said that, that she was going to have a child. And who, who would that be? John the Baptist. But she, you know, she was obviously kind of like, like, really, like... How could that possibly be? And, and what, did, what did the angel Gabriel say? He said, for nothing, nothing is impossible with God. So, uh, you know, impossible for us, but not impossible for Him. I, I like that quote that I found. Anonymous said, impossible is a hopeful word, for it's a direct invitation to let God in. It's a hopeful word, impossible, but How many of you think hope when you hear that? That's a hopeful word. you think impossible. No, but but where God is concerned, it's a hopeful word because we let him in. Today, moving on from there, I want to talk about this idea of in search of Jesus because that's a phrase that they use uh, in the verses we're going to look at, in search of Jesus. But really the question that that we want to look at is why were they in search of Jesus? That's an important question. Did they just want a quick meal? Did they just want to get a blessing? Did they, you know, did they just want to make, you know, did Jesus to make them feel good? Is that really what it's all about? Why do, why do we search for Jesus? Why would we go to him? And I, I found this interesting thing that I didn't really realize earlier, this thing about bread and circuses. Now, how many of you are familiar with bread and circuses? Be honest. About five or ten, I had no idea. I knew there was a store called Bread and Circus, right? And uh, I thought that's a weird name, but whatever. And then I think Whole Foods took it over, or they changed the name to Whole Foods. So, but but I looked this up, and it was very interesting. I put it in your bulletin there on the back side. If you'll turn it over and look at your bulletin, I put the the definition or or, or you know what what I found about that, because because it's. Very interesting, you say, what has that got to do with what we're talking about in the Bible? You will see, I promise you. So let me just read that. A phrase used by a Roman writer to deplore the declining heroism of Romans, the Roman people, after the Roman Republic ceased to exist and the Roman Empire began. And this is his quote, Two things only the people anxiously desire, bread and circuses. The government kept the Roman populace happy, how? By distributing free food and staging huge spectacles. This guy, his name was Juvenal, and this was about 100 A.D. He used this phrase to decry the selfishness of common people, and their neglect of wider concerns. It implies a population's erosion and ignorance of civic duty as a priority. That's all they got focused on. Bread and circuses, free food and entertainment. Free food and entertainment. That's how you're going to keep the people happy. Just give them free food, free stuff, And keep them entertained and they won't give you any kind of problem, any kind of trouble whatsoever. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like us? Does that sound like us, meaning U.S.? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you know, it was true then too. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible tells us. But... The sad thing is, is that it, it does it's not just the world around us, it creeps into the church. It comes into the church. It affects the church. Why? Because the church is made up of what? Of people like you and I, and we're affected by this. In in we saw in the in the Gospel of John, in the in the these last uh, two sections, one Uh, Where Jesus fed the 5,000 plus, it was an incredible miracle. And then Jesus walked on the water and that was more of a private thing that happened. But this feeding of the 5,000 plus, it was obviously very open, very, very public. But why? why? Why did Jesus do that? Well, was it to show who he was? That's what it says at the end of the Gospel of John, to to establish who Jesus really was. But yeah, we'll see how people respond to it. Let's let's pick it up in verse 22. John chapter 6, verse 22. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there. So Jesus fed the 5,000 and then... Uh, the disciples all got in a boat. It, it, you know, Jesus told them, in fact, to go, and he was going to stay. And he was going to, like, you know, dismiss the crowd. And he, and then he went up, and he was praying by himself. And so, but there was only one boat, and the boat left. They realized there only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it. They saw that he didn't get in there with his disciples but that they had gone away alone. They, they, They figured that out. Very smart. And then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Some other boats came later. Verse 24, Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats, these extra boats, and they went to Capernaum, what? In search of Jesus, looking for Jesus. So, so they, you know, they wanted to find him. The question is, why did they want to find him? They figured out, okay, the disciples all left, Jesus didn't leave, but now Jesus has gone too, so let's go looking for him. And they went to try to find him in search of Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So they, they did find him. They, they found Jesus. Jesus had already gotten to the other side because if you remember this, the, the account of what happened walking on the water after Jesus got into the boat, immediately they got to the other side. So they were already there. These, now these others, now they got into these boats. They went looking for Jesus. And they found him, and, and they, they wanted to know, like, when did you get here? Like, did you, you know, get on a camel and ride around? Or, like, there was no other boats. They couldn't figure it out in their mind. And they just called him what? Rabbi. What does rabbi mean? It means teacher. So they, they said, Rabbi, and, and, and I'm still, you know, who is this guy? Who is this guy, Jesus? Why is he doing the things that he's doing? Now, verse 26, he doesn't really answer their question. I kind of like that about Jesus, where he doesn't really answer our questions. He answers what we need to hear, right? And and they ask him the question, and, and he doesn't really answer the question. He didn't mention, for example, well, I just walked on the water and got over there. He doesn't tell them that. Maybe that was just for the disciples, something that that was just between him and his disciples. Although we know about it now, obviously, because John wrote these things down for us. Well, look at verse 26. Jesus answered, he said, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You now he starts it off by saying, I tell you the truth. And, he, and in this discourse or this section the, uh, of, of Jesus' words, and it's a very long section in the John chapter 6. We're only going uh, to verse 27 today. But he uses that phrase four times. I tell you the truth. Amen, amen. Verily, verily, some, some translations say. And what he's saying is, I, I'm, I'm trying to make a very important point here. But I like the idea that Jesus is always going to tell us the truth. That's not true of everybody, you know. But Jesus will always, always, always tell you the truth. And he says that to them. You're looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs. Now, again, the miraculous signs would, were given to demonstrate who he is, that he is the Son of God. Back in John chapter 2, the first sign, let me read to you from verse 11, it says, this is the first of His miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana, where He turned the water into wine, right? It says, He thus revealed His glory, and His disciples put their faith in Him. So, the purpose for these signs, and it says that at the end of the book, so that we would believe that He is the Christ, that He is the Son of God, and it revealed His glory, and His disciples put their faith in Him. They put their faith in what He could do? No, they put their faith in Him. He says, you're looking for me not because you saw the miraculous sign, not because you put it together that this is the Son of God and I need to worship Him, not because he's, He is, uh, you know, over all, that He's incredible, that I, I need to fall at His feet. He says He... He says, you're you're following after me because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You ate the loaves and you had your fill. You're coming for me. Why? Because of the meal. Because of what you could get. Because of the food. It was just bread and fish. But it was filling. And maybe even, I don't know, maybe this is a stretch don't throw anything at me. But maybe there was some entertainment factor in this as well. They saw what Jesus did. Well, that's interesting. That's entertaining. Look at, look at what he just did there. But I would, I would venture to say they're kind of missing the point, don't you think? Is that why we follow after Jesus? So we could get stuff? so we could be fed. That's what church is all about, right? A good potluck and entertainment. That's church. That's all it is. Now, we love a good potluck, and I love a good potluck, but, but you know, we need to be fed spiritually for, for us to, to, to really get anything if it's just about what you can get. Now, certainly, 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 we don't, we don't necessarily want to be a boring place, right? Well, we're going to be so careful not to entertain that we're just going to be boring, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk all in the same tone of voice over and over, and you're already falling asleep. I can hear some of you. That tone is enough to put anybody to sleep. Wake up. William, please. You know... We don't want it to be boring, but, but we're not here just to be entertained. This isn't just a place of entertainment. But it's sad to say that, that this has become a priority for us as Americans, as people where we like free stuff and we like to be entertained. And that creeps into the church and, and many... Many times that's what church is all about. You know, they have it all timed. They have, you know, some of the bigger churches where they have these these whole programs and it's all timed to the exact second. Just like a television program and it's all timed out and it's all, you know, carefully scripted so that it's going to be so entertaining and make you so happy. That scares me. There's some churches and, and that, that will promise, they make promises that if you do certain things, if you come here, and of course if you give money, that you will have health, perfect health. You will have wealth, you are going to get wealthy, that you are going to you know, have constant happiness. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. That every problem you have in your life is going to be solved. just come to Jesus and that's what He's going to do for you. Oh, really? Is that what He promised? Now could he do that those things? He can do those things if he decides to do that. But, but my experience over 40-plus years is that, that that's not why I need to come to Jesus so that He can take care of every problem and, and give me stuff. Just give me bread and circuses, Jesus. That's all I want. I I just need the food. You need to give me what I want, and you need to keep me entertained. And that's what church is all about, and that's what a relationship with God is all about. Is that why we follow Him? See, Jesus, again, He says, I tell you the truth. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to talk to you about what the truth is here. And 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 for you and I we need to we need to think about this as well because we live here and we've been affected by this. We have been affected by this. There's no question about it. Matthew Henry, who, you know, wrote a commentaries, you know, many uh, hundreds of years ago, he said many follow Christ for loaves, not for love. Many follow Christ for loaves, not for love. Why are we following him? And I was thinking about this, and, and don't raise your hand if this is true, but some even pray to win the lottery. I'm just looking to see if I'm, any of you go like this, put your head down, because you just prayed it, because I heard it's up to like 700 million or something. Well, we were talking about that, and we're not, we're not going to enter in until it, you know, until it gets big. You know, is that is that what we're gonna is that is that what we're gonna get sucked into? Is that is that what is gonna satisfy you and me? Is that why Jesus came? So that I could have stuff and be entertained all my life? Look at verse 27. He says, do not work for food that spoils. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. The Son of Man will give us. But what is he going to give us? What is he pointing to here? What is he talking about here? He's talking about things that last. And we can get so focused on temporary things. That doesn't mean we don't need to eat. It doesn't mean that that he will not provide for us in the the prayer that the Lord uh, taught us to pray. Right? He taught his disciples. We are his disciples. What did he say? Give us this day our daily bread. We need to eat. But he also pointed out, you know, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What, what is going to last? The temporary things or the eternal things? You know, it, we, we have to be careful because we, our, our, our default mode is to the temporary things. That's where we're always going to go. Just, just, that's where we're going to default to. That's what we're going to think about. I'm hungry. I need. I want. What can I get? But those things don't satisfy. They might temporarily. But eternal things. Eternity. And Jesus says, work for the food that that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Don't. Don't go to Jesus because what He can give you, the food and the money and stuff. Because those things are temporary. But what He really wants to give is eternal, eternal life. That's That's what He has for you and for me. Up on the screen, Isaiah chapter 55. This is found in the Old Testament as well. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? He said, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. Your soul will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. He said, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. That's what he wants. Old Testament to new. He wants to have a, a relationship with us. A covenant of love, he says. A promised love. Faithful love. It's everlasting that you and I would have life, that we would have eternal life. That's what he came to give. That's what he wants to bring to the world. David Guzik, you know, <clears throat> he pointed this out. <clears throat> he said this, that it is almost Universally true that people are more attracted to material things than spiritual things. It's just, it's because, you know, this body we live in, the world that we live in, the the material, that's the first thing. Again, that's our default. And he said this if you had two signs out in front of the church, which one's going to draw the biggest crowd? This one? Or this one. What do you think? Yeah. Free food, free money, you're gonna the place is gonna be packed. You know that you you've seen those places that, you know, gas stations where they have a time where they're gonna give out free gas and the, the line just goes on forever. But but isn't this what we really need? Isn't this what we really, truly, deeply need within our hearts, within the very core of who we are? What lasts in the end? What really satisfies in the end? Now, does a good meal satisfy? Yeah, of course it does. But for how long? You know, that po- you know these potlucks are great, and you know, a lot of times we eat too much, and you know, I-, I say this, I say, you know what? I'm so full, I'm not going to eat again, till next time. <laughs> you know, it it, it it just it doesn't last. Entertainment's like that too. You know, these entertaining things. You know, the truth of the matter is, you know, doesn't matter if you have a TV set whether you're on an antenna or you're on cable, which has you know like a thousand channels. And you still have to try to find something that there's nothing on, right? How many of you say that? There's nothing on. You've got a thousand channels because there, there's nothing that really is ultimately is going to satisfy. This, this, you know, these channels, the stuff that's there, oh, it might satisfy you for a little while. But then what? I was thinking about this this morning, and I don't really think there's going to be any TV in heaven. Do you? I don't think we're going to need it. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> Solomon was given the gift of wisdom, right? He was like the wisest person uh, of, of all history, I believe. And, and it says if you read that book, and it's a fascinating book, I, I recommend to read it. You can read it in like a half an hour or something. It's fascinating. But what, he, it says that he tried everything. He tried all that the world had to offer, and I mean everything. And, and his, his perspective, his, at, the, at the end of it all, what he said was meaningless, meaningless. He says it's all meaningless, utterly meaningless, all vanity. It's, it's not, you know, it's not there. And in, and in the very end of the, of the book, he says, you know, at the very end of it all, What we need to do is is fear God and keep His commandments. In other words, realize who this God is and and do what He says. In the end, that's that's what it's all about. Not not being satisfied by all the stuff in life. The prophet Haggai, who we studied some time back, he, he talked about the fact that these people were neglecting the, the more important things, the spiritual things. They were, they were neglecting the spiritual things. They were neglecting the house of God. They were neglecting the worship of God. And he said this to them. The Lord said this to them. He said, give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, but harvested little. You, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes. You're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The stuff of this world, that, you know, you try it, you eat it, you, 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 you take it all in, but it doesn't seem to hit the spot, it doesn't seem to satisfy. And ultimately, that is what is true. The things of this world cannot satisfy. Seeking Jesus, in search of Jesus. That's a good thing, but Why? John Corson said, simply to be with Him, not to get something from Him. I like that. To seek after Jesus, just to be with Him, just to spend time with Him, to have a relationship with Him. That's where true satisfaction is going to be in the soul, these eternal things. Another thing that Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes is this, God has set Eternity in the hearts of men. So there's something about eternity within the hearts of men. It doesn't mean that we're all saved, we're all have eternal life, but there's a this thing about eternity within us, about eternal things. Again, thinking about what Jesus said: work for the food that endures to eternal life. Now there was a guy named Blaise Pascal. How many of you have heard of Blaise Pascal? few of you he was a in the 1600s he was a brilliant uh, french mathematician he was a physicist he was an inventor a writer a theologian he was he was just a very brilliant guy he developed uh, helped developed the what's called the scientific method which i find kind of interesting when he when 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 we'll read the quote that he has but but he developed the scientific method meaning you you need to prove you need to you know show what you're going to do he helped he helped actually he invented like one of the first calculators It was all mechanical but but through that developed you know eventually led to what we have as computers right this is back in the 1600s But look at what he says. I'll put it up on the screen for you. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. That's the eternity in our hearts that that Solomon talked about, I believe. He said this he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. This is, this is the, the correct quote. Uh, people have misquoted saying, you know, there's a God-shaped vacuum or God-shaped hole in man, and that, that's kind of a misquote, but it's the same, the same principle as here, though. But this is his actual quote. There's something in us. It's it's an infinite, it's an eternal thing. It's eternity in our hearts, but it, it can't be filled with these temporary things, but only with something who is infinite, immutable, God himself. Wow, who would have thought all this would have come out of these couple words that Jesus said, huh? Don't work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So we're in search of Jesus, and they were looking for Him. They were in search of Jesus. Why? For food? For entertainment? For bread and circuses? I think so. Why else would He say that to them? As a matter of fact, we're not not even going to get to it now because it's like, you know, many, many verses later. But He talks about this subject for a, a lot. And he says, he says to them, you know, you, you need, you know, it's not the bread. It's not what you've got, the bread and fish out there. He says, it's my body and it's my blood. That's what's going to satisfy you. That's what you need. That's what you need to partake of. And they just, they go, wow, I can't. That's a hard saying. And then it says this, that from that point, many stopped following him. Many stopped following him. Why? Because they were following him for the wrong reasons. They were following him for the bread and the circuses, for the food, for the entertainment, the physical things, the things that they could get. One interesting thing, and we'll get to that in a number of weeks, is that that verse that says that is John 6, 6, 6. Isn't that interesting? Going back to chapter 5, we'll close with this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. That same phrase said it back in chapter 5. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. That's what he came for. That's what he wants to give to you and I. That's the plane that he wants us to live on. The Apostle Paul says, Colossians chapter 3, you know, keep our mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we we get so focused, so, so locked in on the stuff of this world, the stuff of this life, and Jesus was telling them there, And he's telling us today as well, the work for the food that endures. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're focusing on. Think about what you're worrying so much about. That's why he said in in Matthew chapter 6, Seek first, what? The loaves and the fish. (laughs) Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things... The loaves and the fish will be added unto you. He knows that you need that stuff. He knows that we need to eat. He knows that we need to pay the rent. He knows that we need to take care of business. We need, you know, fix the car, whatever it is. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek after Jesus. Seek after Him, not for what He can give to us, but for who He is. Let's pray. Oh Lord in heaven, we thank you for sending your son Jesus. And, and his words are, are convicting, his words are challenging because we are just uh, human beings and we, we think a lot about our stuff. We think about, a lot about what our next meal is going to be. I know I do. And I don't think often enough about eternity, about heaven, about you and who you are. I think an awful lot about the things that spoil. They just go rotten. They grow mold and can't keep them. You can't hold on to them. But you last forever, Jesus. You're the eternal Son of God, the, the author of life, the author perfecter of our faith Lord help us to keep that perspective and that focus in our lives Lord help us to get back on track when we get off track as we do to stay on track because our life our citizenship is is not here Though we're here for a period, and we're here for a period of time, Lord. Your word says our citizenship is in heaven. And we're looking to heaven for the Savior who's going to return for us. Help us, Lord. We're, We're fragile. We're frail. We're human. We're weak. But we know that you have the words of eternal life. Lord, I pray for any here this morning as well who, who just do not have any hope at all, do not have any eternal life, do not have a hope of heaven. If that's you, you can, you can pray with me right now and you can simply say these words and, and truly, truly mean it in your heart that you want Jesus in your life. You want to have that satisfaction that it can only come from Him. You can simply pray with me these words, Dear Jesus. I'm lost and I have no hope. And I ask you to come into my life. I I look to that cross. I look to that empty tomb where you you rose from the dead. You, You died on that cross for my sin. You rose from the dead, defeating death. And you give eternal life by trusting in you. So I ask you in to my heart and my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's all stand and sing together, shall we?